Welcome to First Reading, the Old Testament Lectionary Podcast. I'm Rachel Wren. And I'm Tim McNinch. This week, we've got a fantastic Old Testament text for September 19th, 2021. Rachel's throwing us into Proverbs 31, 10 to 31. And I think she's going to have a thing or two to say about it. Yeah, get ready for a fire hose this week, friends. There is a lot to talk about in this text. All right, ready to sip from the fire hose. Go for it. Okay, so Proverbs 31 is a Bible chapter that some would call famous and some would call infamous. Uh, Often this text is used in Bible studies, especially for women, because this text describes in detail a particular kind of female person. What and who that female person is, is contested. The phrase that describes her comes in verse 10, and it's eshet chayel, eshet chayel. So I'll dive into the Hebrew in a bit here, but first, let's just look at a couple of English translations of this phrase. The NRSV translates eshet chayel as a capable wife. ESV translates it as an excellent wife. The Net Bible translates it as a wife of noble character, and the King James Version says a virtuous woman. So, an interesting spread of translations there. I, Tim, do you have any memories <laughs> of this chapter and its discussion of an Eshet Chayel? Uh, not a particular moment, but I, I do remember that this was, uh, you know, often held up as like the, the picture of an ideal woman. It's the mm. kind of thing that that you might find like um, cross stitched, you know, <laughs> and, and hung up in a home. Like this is this is the kind of woman that that all the men should be looking for. Yes, exactly. Well, and and as a as a woman, it, what I remember my first experience of it is this is the kind of woman that you should be mm-hmm. to have men look for you. I, I didn't actually come across this chapter until college when a friend of mine was dating a guy really seriously, and she talked about how she was trying to live up to this picture of a woman so that she could be an eshet chayil for her husband. And for me, hearing her say that gave me kind of this immediate twist in my gut, uh, that kind of hmm feeling that I get sometimes when I hear people talk about ideal relationships between women and men. I I wasn't quite sure at that age how to articulate what I was feeling, but I remember thinking it's kind of odd that the Bible contains an entire chapter on what's an ideal wife, but nothing on what's an ideal husband. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Now, so there's all sorts of ways you could look at this, and I don't want to take too much time today on biblical and modern gender roles and norms, but what I do want to do is just look at this phrase and break it down a bit into Hebrew. So, eshet chayil. So, first, we're just going to take the word eshet. Eshet is a form of the Hebrew word isha, and isha is the Hebrew word for wife, but it is also the Hebrew word just for woman. The same way the Hebrew word ish is the word for husband and also just the more generic man. So this text likely is talking about an isha as a wife since verse 11 references the isha's husband. But the phrase itself, eshet could mean either wife of chayil or woman of chayil and not necessarily a woman who is married. Mm, that's that's good to remember. And what about chayel? What is how do you take the word chayel? 
Well, there is a range of meanings that chayil can mean, according to a couple of main Hebrew lexicons. Uh, they basically agree that it's got kind of two basic um, centers to its to its range of meanings. The first one is like faculty or power. Uh, it's what we call today agency. It's your ability to change something, to do something. Uh, another Hebrew lexicon expands on this a little bit. It adds a moral component. Um, BDB says ability, efficiency, often involving moral worth. But it also highlights the physical aspect of that chayil, uh, strength, usually physical. So the first meeting just kind of generally boils down to this idea of agency or even power. Mm-hmm. The second part of the meaning of this word is is wealth or property. And, and it's basically what gives you the power, the faculty, the agency to be able to do something. Well, that was wealth and property. Um, interestingly enough, it also has this aspect of just straight up army. Like this is a military word. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like like the, the military power of a kingdom or the military force of a kingdom yes, is, exactly. is its chayil. Yeah. Yes. So Aneshet Chayil is a woman of power and agency who possesses both inner qualities of agency and the external resources to do the things she wants to do. Hmm. So you could think of this as like a woman of badassery, but I might not <laughs> preach that. <laughs> a force to be reckoned with. Yes, perfect. <laughs> so all the translations of, of like a capable wife or an excellent wife or even a wife of virtue or character kind of fall short of the, the potency of this yes. term, Eshet Chayil. Yes, exactly. Well, and not just in, ter- in terms of the range of meaning of chayil, but in terms of the text itself of, of Proverbs 31. Because the way Proverbs 31 describes an eshet chayil is so much more than just capability or virtue. In verse 11, it says the heart of her husband trusts in her. So an eshet chayil is trustworthy. In verse 13, she seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She's hardworking, and not just in any sense, but with her hands. Mm. I go immediately to Genesis 2, where God took dust and took mud and formed it, worked with the divine hands to make something. Mm-hmm. You know, she's, she's creative. Uh, in verse 16, she considers a field and buys it. She's got a lot of economic agency. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's no going to her husband here. She just buys it. In verse 17, straight up says, she girds herself with strength and makes her arms strong. This is a a bulky, you know, this is like Katie Ledecky here. This is a strong eshet chayil. In verse 20, she opens her hands to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is generous. She is moral. She makes herself coverings in verse 22. And then one of my favorites is is verses 25 and 26. Strength and dignity are her clothing. She laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. So so just figuratively, an eshet chayil is a force to be reckoned with in terms of so many things, in terms of strength, dignity, courage, agency, business, relationships, faith, and morality. Mm. That is a neshet chayil. And, and you'll notice that only a couple of those things have anything to do with her husband. Right. 
So here's the fun part. Do you have a guess, Tim, as to how many women are actually called an Eshet Chayil in the Bible? Mm. Well, I only know of one, and that's Ruth. That's because there only is one. Ah. Proverbs 31 has this whole expansive treatise, and yet only one single woman in the entire Bible is actually called an Eshet Chayil. And Ruth is not married when she gets called that. Right. It is before. She is nobody's wife. She is a single woman who embodies so many of, these, many of these characteristics, but she's not an Israelite. She's not even a God follower yet. She's a foreigner. So to get finally around to my sermon angle, my two sermon angles would be this. First of all, explode this phrase for your listeners. Do not let it sit on a cross stitch. Give it muscles. Give it dignity. Give it grit. Give it dirt. Flesh it out. And then take as a cue from this relationship with Ruth, the only time that a woman is called an Eshet Chayil, and ask your congregation, who are those who are the Eshet Chayil in your life? Mm. Or, or even the people of Chayil? Because what Ruth leads us to see is that the answer may be someone entirely unexpected who doesn't seem to fit the category. So I, I think you could really have fun in this sermon with exploding this phrase and then zeroing in on the unexpectedness of the only time this phrase appears in the Bible. Uh -huh. And if you're like me and really enjoy preaching from narrative rather than poetry, I mean, I, I, like, I like poetry for, for what it's worth. But if, if you... Oh, oh, all right. Gloves are coming off of your friends. Once this podcast is done, we're having a showdown. <laughs> but if you if you really uh, do your best work with biblical narrative, then tying this to uh, uh, to the story of Ruth could be a really great angle to pursue. Yeah. And mm -hmm. uh, Ruth is a great story for. It. In fact, the in the Hebrew Bible, the book of Ruth follows immediately after Proverbs thirty one. That's probably why it's placed there in the writings. Great point. Awesome. Well, I want to hear that sermon, and um, I'm I'm not sure where to go with this thought, Rachel, but. Maybe I'll just ask it to you as a question. Do you think, does, it, does a sermon on the Eshet Chayil come off differently from a preacher who's a woman versus a preacher who's a man talking about mm. the Eshet Chayil? Mm. In many ways, I think it would actually be more powerful even coming from a man. Because so often when women talk about stuff like this, about um, anything that could be labeled as feminist, they're, they're written off rather quickly because, oh, they're just angry or, oh, they're just, you know, whatever it might be. It is harder to write off this kind of sermon when it comes from a man, I think, for those who, who struggle with this kind of theology. So I think actually, if you are, if you do identify as male and you're listening to this, boy, friends, it could be so powerful for both the women and the men in your congregation if you do take up this call and you you explode this idea of an eshet chayil. So that's just my kind of gut reaction to it, I guess. Yeah. I mean, the other thing that I think of in that context is that this biblical model of an Eshet Chayel serves as a role model to both men and women. And mm. in that way, it, it's also relevant to non-binary people in our congregations. Yeah. So like this is this is not just elevating one gender and the traits of a particular gendered person. But um, these are traits that are captured in this poem about this particular woman, but in a way that shows uh, the models of powerful agency that are available to all of us. Yeah, 
Yeah. No, I love that. I, I, I can't, I can't remember if I came up with this or someone else did. Someone else probably did, but, um, they, they called it, they translated an Eshetrael as woman of valor. And I just love that idea of valor. And I think, you know, if you're, if you're, uh, um, wanting to expand that, that binary to, to call it a person of valor, Mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's really, it would be a nice place for a sermon to end up that ultimately we all should be an Eshetrael, you know, even if we don't identify as female, we should all be people of valor. Yeah, for sure. And again, it dovetails nicely with Ruth with all of its sort of gender bending uh, qualities in that narrative as well. Nice. So great. Well, lots of places to go here and a very helpful invitation to take a um, often cliched phrase and think about it in some new ways. So thanks for that, Rachel. Yeah, my pleasure. All right, that's going to take us to the end of our episode, but you know where to find us, firstreadingpodcast.com. We have all of our back episodes there, as well as, you know, the the buttons for subscribing and all of that kind of good stuff. We're also on Facebook, you might know that, and uh, we put our episodes there and there's, you know, space there for interacting with us. So we would love to open up some dialogue on this text or any of the episodes that we do. That's a great place to find us. Many thanks to Trinity Lutheran Seminary at Capital University for the grant that they've given us that helps us do what we do here. And thanks to you for listening. We really appreciate you. Until next time, I'm Tim McNinch. And I'm Rachel Wren. Go be preachers of valor, friends. <laughs>